Thanks for listening to the Media People Podcast, lively and insightful chats with the people who power the media industry. I'm your host, Victor Genova. For more episodes, you can go to soundcloud.com slash media people podcast, or you can subscribe on your favorite podcast service like Apple Podcasts or CastBox. Views expressed by participants are personal. Starting a website might be easy, but finding success in today's digital publishing world is extremely difficult. Both audiences and advertising dollars tend to be concentrated between a few popular platforms, with the rest of the internet duking it out for the leftovers. But that wasn't a deterrent for today's guest, Manny Bahia. Manny is the co-founder and chief revenue officer for Daily Hive, a news, information, and entertainment site servicing millennial audiences through localized editions in select Canadian and U.S. cities. Originally a computer science major, Manny shifted to business after taking a microeconomics elective in his first year. It was during his time in university that he co-founded the website Van City Buzz. Van City Buzz would later be renamed Daily Hive as part of a national expansion strategy into Toronto and Montreal. Expansion into Calgary and Edmonton followed, and just recently, Daily Hive has gone international, adding Portland and Seattle to the family. Manny Bahia talks to us about growing up in Vancouver, what he learned about business from delivering pizza, and shares with us the journey from growing Van City Buzz into Daily Hive. Daily Hive is a hyperlocal Canadian online publication, and my role as the chief revenue officer, uh, I'm the money guy. You're the money guy. Essentially, yeah. Anything related to the money coming in uh, and monetizing our eyeballs and the traffic, uh, that's me. Let's go back to the beginning. Where are you from? Born and raised in uh, southeast Vancouver. Southeast Vancouver. You have an interesting way of describing life growing up in southeast Vancouver. You've described it as fun, gritty, gang violence. I couldn't believe I was reading that. Let's start first with fun. What was fun about it? It was, it was cool. I, I felt like I had a really normal childhood, uh, a fun childhood, uh, growing up, playing outside, just doing regular kid things, playing, playing video games as well. It's good times. What made it so gritty, though? Gritty because uh, it had a little edge to it. Um, it, was, it was a part of Vancouver uh, that, that wasn't, uh, that was middle class, uh, but definitely more of a diverse population and uh, ha- had grit to it where the birthplace kind of of South Asian uh, gangs uh, in Canada. Back then, there was, uh, th- there was a lot of gang activity and, and violence, and, and so the, it allowed some of the outlying areas to, to be more gritty as well. You don't hear that much about Vancouver and gang violence and things like that. All you ever hear about is rising real estate prices, and it's usually one of the most livable cities in the world. Usually, I don't know who puts it out. I think it's The Economist, but usually they're duking it out with Vienna or Stockholm for the most livable city. So those are interesting ways to describe it. I guess when you look at kind of one of those reports about how livable Vancouver is, as a Vancouverite and a native of uh, the city, you probably look at that a little bit differently, don't you? Yeah, I mean, Vancouver is an extremely safe city, but any city in the world is never going to show its uh, ugly sides. Um, and we've seen that as well. Uh, growing up in Vancouver, we have the Maine and Hastings area, for example. Uh, celebrities, when they come to town, and Vancouver being Hollywood North, uh, if they ever drive through that, they're they're shocked. And it's, uh, it's like, you know, you see all this... Uh, uh, drug infestation and homelessness and people wonder like how is this happening in Canada um, but I mean there's a story around that as well and why that happens you moved around once though but you stayed in Vancouver uh, you described it as you know one city two homes when you moved into that second home or I guess out of the original neighborhood things changed much for you or it was more or less the same Vancouver that uh, you had known 
Vancouver is a pretty compact city, so it's more or less the same. You can say it's diverse, but essentially it's uh, really just a, a, a few ethnicities. Um, uh, but it, yeah, more or less the same. I mean, the mountains are everywhere. But sports outdoors, speaking of mountains, that was one of your interests growing up. Big skier? Skiing, snowboarding, hiking. Uh, that's just natural. Just the landscape and the environment just forces you to be outdoors. But all, not only sports, though. You've credited video games as being a big part of your childhood. Video games are kind of all the rage right now. Gaming and esports, still part of what you do? I mean, I wish esports was around back when we were. Oh, we God. thought we were competitively playing versus each other. Oh, we were just playing with expensive toys. They told us it would rot our brains, our parents, and we would never make anything of ourselves. Now you've got 20-year-olds raking in millions a year playing Fortnite. Right. It's big business now. And video games, I mean, it teaches you a lot of things as well. There was strategy involved, problem solving. Uh, I mean, to the point where you're, you're not too addicted uh, and that's all you're doing and you get lazy. But it's more of uh, just a fun thing and a social thing to do as well and just compete versus your friends. For our generation, nostalgia is a big thing. Is there an, a classic video game that just kind of tugs on your heartstrings like you just have to play it if it's around? So, I'm a big Zelda guy. Oh, you're a Zelda yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I love, you know, I started with A Link to the Past, which I, I believe was kind of the foundation and the blueprint for future Zelda games as well. I find that to be one of the best games of all time. Did you blow through all the Zelda games, like everything from like Nintendo, Super Nintendo, right on? Or was there a part where you kind of fell off? Oh, yeah. I've blown through all of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you credit Michael Jordan as one of your childhood influences. Why him? He's the best. He's the GOAT. Um, that tenacity that he brings. He's an assassin. He's focused and laser focused on one thing, and that's winning. And he'll do whatever it takes to make that happen. There's no other individual I've seen uh, in my lifetime with that type of drive and motivation to just purely win. You also say the Forbes magazine billionaire list. It's another group that you look up to. Kind of goes back to what you're saying about winning. I mean, if you look at money as an indicator of success and you being the chief revenue officer of Daily Hive, I guess then looking at the Forbes billionaire list, that's a litmus test for success. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I still remember the, the first time I got my first Forbes magazine. Uh, I was a kid and looking at the Forbes billionaire list and just thinking to myself, I want to be on there one day. And uh, almost memorizing to a point the rankings and just learning about the different industries and that billionaires were, were invested in. So it was, uh, yeah, it's been something that I look at uh, every year. Your very first part-time job was? Pizza delivery. For what company? Supreme Pizza. Best pizza in Vancouver. Best pizza in Vancouver. Is it just kind of like a one-and-done mom-and-pop shop or do they, are they a chain? Yeah, one and uh, done mom and pop shop, four brothers operate it. They've been told to franchise out and open more locations. The pizza is so good. But uh, they were just happy with uh, having their one location. It's super busy. Uh, people in uh, Southeast Van uh, know all about it. Uh, regular customers, loyal customers. Uh, you can't be Supreme Pizza. So it's basically a South Vancouver institution that it can't go away. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What did you learn about yourself while you were delivering pizzas that have helped you with Daily Hive or anything you do in business now? It came down to customer service and uh, just being efficient. Uh, the quicker I worked, the more tips I earned. Also, I learned from uh, the operators of Supreme Pizza as well. They became almost uncles of mine. Learned a lot in terms of their strategy and the, the hard work that they put in to build a business. And also some of the, you know, the real estate side of things that they were investing in. 
Uh, I learned a lot there. What brought you to Kwantlen Polytechnic University, and what did you study there? Yeah, I, I went to Kwantlen Polytechnic University at first in my first year, uh, simply because my parents told me I needed to go to university. And I was never a big fan of school, to be honest. Uh, I mean, I could get good grades uh, if I wanted to and put my work, uh, put work into it. Um, so I went there and uh, I started on uh, computer science my first semester. And uh, it's something I had taken in high school as well. And uh, I was interested in becoming a software engineer. Uh, but I quickly learned that uh, I just can't be that guy that can be on the computer all day. I need to be running around and socializing. One of the electives I first took was microeconomics. And then I just fell in love with business. I just found it more challenging, uh, more of a new frontier, uh, very limitless. And uh, just having that social aspect as well, branching off of you know, economics and understanding uh, of the macro and micro economies and uh, building your own business. I mean, I think I just have that entrepreneur personality. After one year, though, you moved to Simon Fraser University. What was the change and did you change your major as well? Yeah, I continued with business after I, I switched majors um, at Kwantlen quite quickly. And uh, I did a joint major with uh, economics. It's uh, uh, truly uh, something that I love. While in university, though, you started Daily Hive in your final year. Where did the idea come from? And what problem did you think that Daily Hive could solve for people? So Carm and I were childhood friends. Uh, I've known him since I was five years old. We grew up in Southeast Van, a couple of doors down. And uh, we started as a passion project and a hobby. We named it Van City Buzz to begin with. I remember the Van City Buzz name. It was more opinion-based and about topics that uh, we knew uh, how to write about them. So things like real estate, things like sports, uh, things to do, cool Vancouverites doing cool things. Um, We just wanted to be a resource for Vancouverites that they can call uh, their own. Van City Buzz branched out into other cities, and at this point you realized you couldn't call it Van City Buzz in other cities so why the name Daily Hive when you started expanding eastwards? Yeah, Van City Buzz had uh, developed and built quite a bit of brand equity, but really it came down to the business side of things. And for us to expand across Canada, having different names and different domains in each city uh, would become quite expensive, um, frankly. So best way to scale would be to have one uniform name to scale our marketing admin um, and, and personnel costs throughout the organization, uh, any sort of overhead, even offices. So it made sense uh, to, to go with Daily Hive. And even from a technical point of view as well, to build up you know, SEO for every new domain, uh, it takes a long time. So, yeah, we had a, a short-term uh, drop in terms of our SEO as well, switching domains. But in the long run, it, it was for the best. You started Van City Buzz uh, with your business partner at a time when getting into publishing or even online publishing altogether was going to be difficult. I mean, a lot of sites were out there. We're starting to see a lot of ad revenue kind of come down, but you guys jumped headfirst into a segment that a lot of people were pulling back on. Was that ever at the front of your mind or were you just focused on delivering the best product possible? We were focused on developing the best product possible. For us, what we learned was content is king. And we saw the projections of digital advertising spending that was going to eclipse traditional advertising spending. And we were just patient. We were just like, build your user base, uh, build our army. That's our customer lifetime value. And eventually the dollars will come. You see this with other tech companies as well. You see Instagram, for example, who had whatever it was, 100 million plus followers and users, has zero dollars in revenue, 
had a dozen employees, sold for over a billion dollars. It really is just about the eyeballs and the attention that you capture of people, and now more and more the data that you capture. And it's easy to monetize that after. Many online news organizations employ a national strategy. I mean, mass appeal equals larger audience, which in turn should be more attractive to advertisers. You chose to start local. Why that way? And you even still keeping it local as you're branching out into other cities. National is, is overdone. Uh, I feel it's lazy. Um, that being said, focusing on hyperlocal, we're still able to uh, capture the national audience with specific stories that, are, that affect all Canadians. So hyperlocal helps us to really allow people to connect to their city and provide relevant and compelling content. You can't really learn from a national source of you know a cool new restaurant that just opened up or a concept a festival that's happening and uh, you know the various sponsors and different arts events or a, a Drake sighting or whatever it is you're not going to get that from a national news source but that's very popular on, on a hyper local level and, and again that being said as well doesn't uh, prevent us from attracting national advertisers actually is a strength of ours to be able to cater. Uh, to local audiences, even with a national campaign, being able to uh, change up our content or our titles uh, to to better attract those local readers. For example, if we have a campaign running about a a tech company that's based in Edmonton, Edmonton will is obviously going to feel really proud with a title saying, you know, Edmonton-based company has raised X millions of dollars, has these many employees. Whereas in the other cities, we can angle it as a Canadian tech company. So either way, we win. Let's go back to the very first day, the very first day that Van City Buzz goes live. The very first article that people are going to come across when they find the site. Do you remember what that article was about? Behold, this is Van City Buzz. It was just an introduction then to everyone. <laughs> Basically, it was just, uh, hey, this is Van City Buzz. These are the topics we're going to cover we're uh, proud uh, Vancouverites, and, and we're happy and uh, to, to be providing this resource. Uh, just check us out and, and, and watch out for us. Do you personally have any mentors that you and your business partner lean on? Not really, but I, I think throughout the years, you learn so much from other individuals, whether they be in your industry or not, whether they're um, entrepreneurs or whether they're even employees and some of the, the skills and the knowledge base that they bring. I think you just kind of learn from everybody around you. I mean, it sure does help for sure to interact with other entrepreneurs from time to time, those that have made it further to, to the goal that you want to reach. Um, but I wouldn't say that there's any mentor or, or mentors that we you know fall back on or... And we never want to become dependent as well, where we continue to seek advice um, from an individual or individuals um, that affects our decision-making or that is kind of what we rely upon. I think Mark Cuban mentioned that in one of his interviews as well, and that really clicked. I was like, oh, wow, I don't, you know, he doesn't have any mentors. And uh, I, I can't say that we have any mentors either. It's interesting you bring that up because I've had that discussion with others too, is that if you approach someone and say, will you be my mentor, automatically it changes the dynamic of the relationship. They might treat you like you're always looking to learn, even though you might not be. So you employ something that I like to call passive mentorship. You just find people with stories out there that are interesting, that might be relevant to your experience, and you gravitate towards them and you learn from that without having to pick up the phone and ask anyone. 
Right, absolutely. And I, I get youth reaching out to me from time to time as well, from, from my neighborhood, my community uh, as well, asking for advice or just wanting to get in touch and just want to learn the story. Uh, and I'm happy to help. Um, and uh, I, think, I think it's just something, you know, you learn, and, 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 but you, you also need to give. It's very important. And they say, you know, um, to master, you need to teach. That brings up a, an interesting point. Um, philanthropy is a big part of Daily Hive. What are you guys doing in the community right now to give back? Yeah, so I mean, the business is really built upon, again, connecting people to the city. So us having community partnerships is a very important, vital way, not only to provide value to the cities that we're in, but um, also gain that organic and positive affinity towards the brand. Us supporting community groups and nonprofits in the cities that we're in, providing, we've provided, I, I can't even measure, X millions of dollars in value in marketing services to promote, you know, fundraising efforts or, um, you know, marathons or, or different festivals that, you know, uh, make, improve the vi- vibrancy of a city. Um, all these things are important for the, the fabrics of, of each city for it to be um, uh, whole. So you're literally utilizing the audience that you have for charitable causes or not-for-profits then, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Going back to your days in university, though, uh, you and your business partner, you have the idea for Daily Hive. Obviously, it needs money coming off the ground. Most people would be thinking about how to pitch investors, but you guys didn't do that. You pulled your money together and you started it without investment seed, correct? Correct. We we pulled a whole $5 together to pay for our <laughs> hosting costs for the first month. That's about it. And actually, we started free on Blogspot. And then we, when we shifted mm. over to our own domain, uh, I remember I think it was Bluehost or something, and that was a server, and it was $5 a month. And, it was, and we had our first advertiser who, who paid us $75 a month. It was a banner ad on the front page, uh, our homepage, and uh, we've been profitable since day one. You can say that we had a pr- pretty high margins there, eh? So who, who was your first client then? Who was giving you that 75 bucks? <sighs> So actually, interestingly enough, we had our first client, then we had our first paying client. Our first client was uh, an ad that we put up of this coffee chain in Vancouver. The reason we did that was to show that we did have advertisers, which we didn't, to attract other advertisers uh, to advertise with us and with a reputable brand as well. So our first paying advertiser was actually... um, the bachelor plan and what they do is they organize bachelor parties for people and then that's a local vancouver company along with the 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 coffee house you mentioned so when people come to the site they know that you're legit from vancouver because no one from outside of vancouver would be familiar with those two companies absolutely they're vancouver companies and no one else would have would have known and uh i don't don't know if uh, the the bachelor plan is around anymore Uh, i hope they're doing well uh, but uh, yeah, th- thanks for the for being the first advertiser. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we know that uh, you started in Vancouver. What other cities has Daily Hive expanded to in Canada? Yeah, so our first expansion w- was Calgary, and thereafter we did Toronto and Montreal at the same time. We recently just expanded to Edmonton uh, as of October 2019, and uh, we just recently, um, as of a couple of weeks ago expanded to Seattle and Portland, our first international expansion. So uh, that'll be interesting for sure. Um, it's, it's always something that you learn from each expansion and you get better at it. Uh, but this is our first international expansion. So we're interested to see what we learn from that. 
Interesting that you talk about the, the, the cities that you expanded to in, uh, in the United States because most people would have thought, okay, if you're going into the U.S., you think L.A. and New York City, but you guys picked Portland and Seattle. Why those two cities? It just makes sense with our headquarters being in Vancouver and the culture being so similar, us having a dominant presence in Vancouver and the initiative by the, the provinces and the states um, to uh, increase the collaboration between the Cascadia Corridor. So it just makes sense to be able to operate out of Vancouver with the culture being so similar. And that's important for us to know any city that we expand to is how to speak to our audience and to be authentic, to be able to speak with different diverse set of lenses that actually make up the city as well. You know, you hear politicians a lot of times talk about how diversity is strength. But, I mean, what does that really mean? For us in our business, what that means is that um, that diverse makeup that is of a city should be uh, provided by a diverse set of journalists. Each market you operate in requires a certain level of learning in order to adapt to the local content tastes. Was there a particular market that took a little bit of time for Daily Hive to adapt to? I think our first expansion to Calgary was difficult simply being because it was our first expansion. It wasn't as easy as us just walking in and just taking over. Uh, it took a few years. Um, ha having learned, and in hindsight, we, we could have moved things along quicker. I I'd say a, a difficult market is, is probably Montreal right now, uh, just because of the, obviously the two uh, official languages and being able to cater to audiences uh, on both sides. So, yeah, I mean, it's each city comes with a set of challenges. I mean, for example, like Toronto is just huge. It's a massive market. There's a lot of competition. It's the epicenter of Canadian media. Um, it's where most of the advertising dollars are uh, spent. Yeah, and that's why I'm here <laughs> as the chief revenue officer, uh, as the money guy. Um, because the national brands and agencies are located in Toronto, this is where, I mean, it's a global city. It's, 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 there's no better time right now to be in Toronto than, than right now and everything that's, that's burgeoning and just, just happening right now. I'm going to close with a couple of rapid-fire questions. Biggest milestone for Daily Hive to date? Reaching 10 years last year was huge because if you look at the stats, maybe a third, if not, uh, even reached that milestone of companies. Yeah. And how many people, how many unique people visit the Daily Hive globally every month? So we do about 5 million unique visitors per month, and of course that's growing. Your favorite movie? Gone in 60 Seconds. The old or the new one? Does a new one? Oh, <laughs> you're learning. Oh, you just learned about the classic the first time. There was a there was one they did in the '60s. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, Nicholas, I thought the, the one Nicholas, I watched was the was the old one. No, the Nicolas Cage one is a remake. There's an original oh. Eleanor. I, if you can find it, I recommend it simply because they did not have the cash. This is a real fun startup story. In the '60s, they did not have the cash to pay for permits to block off the streets. So what they would literally do in is, uh, for the chasing, so they'd send a crew ahead, stop traffic, get the camera guy set up, they'd blow past the intersection, everyone get in the car, go to the next one and do that. And they filmed it in pieces. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Actually, I'd love to share a startup story of ours. So one of the things that we used to do in terms of our guerrilla marketing efforts was that we would go to a Best Buy or a Future Shop back then and uh, load up all the screens with uh, Van City Buzz. Uh, and so <laughs> any passersby uh, would see it and start developing that brand recognition. 
Um, so you literally went from every laptop computer dailyhive.com next. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I'm not going to lie. I just did that the other day at the Samsung store, <laughs> at the Eden Center, Daily Hive on all the tablets. Your favorite book? Outliers, but also, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, just because it's the foundation really of learnings of financial literacy. Your favorite song? Put On by Jeezy featuring Kanye. Why that song? Because we're hyper local and we put on for every city that we're in. <laughs> Without hesitation. I love it. If you go back in time and give your younger self advice, what would you say? Enjoy the journey because uh, it's, it's the sweetest part. That's a good way of looking at it. A lot of people have got specific advice that they give themselves, but you wouldn't change a thing. Whether, yeah. Whatever happened, if it made you happy or sad or angry or whatever, to you, you see it as all part of the journey. Yeah, you know what? I mean, uh, as, you get, as you get older as well, you learn how much adversity and you know, your past shapes you to who you are today. And if you're happy with who you are today and you're grateful for everything you have, then why change a thing? My signature closing question, if you weren't in media, what would you be doing and why? I mean, the path was actually at one point when I, as I was doing my degree to go into investment banking. So I would be in New York at a bank or, or something. And then I guess that, you know, having the entrepreneurial itch, doing my own thing somehow, somewhere, have my own shop maybe. I, I don't know. Uh, but uh, the path was to investment banking. And uh, I mean, I guess, thank God for the, for the great recession. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad someone found something good out of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then just us focusing on the, on the media business um, and Daily Hive. And, uh, and here we are today. So instead of taking companies public, here you are dropping knowledge for the public. Absolutely. Thanks. (laughs) Manny, thank you so much. This has been a great chat. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Victor. That's it for today's show. For more episodes, you can go to soundcloud.com slash media people podcast or subscribe on your favorite podcast service like Apple Podcasts or CastBox. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Vic Genova.